Well, please uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, we'll be looking at uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The gospel of Jesus Christ. As you think about history, there have been a number of people who have taken out bits and pieces from the Bible, particularly that of the Old Testament, and they have created their own religion out of it or their own Bible. Uh, They will read the Bible and think to themselves, I like this part of the Bible or I like that part of the Bible, but I don't like that particular part of the Bible. And so they'll remove certain parts or verses or chapters from the Bible and they'll create their own. Uh, One person who did this who came to mind uh, happened right after the early church was begin to form and it was around the second century. His name was Marcion. Uh, Marcion was known as a heretic, but he was, uh, uh, before he was a heretic, he was a pastor's kid, and he grew up in the church, and his father was the archbishop of Pontus, and his father was very wealthy and, and taught, taught Marcion, his son, uh, just the, the truth of God's word and, and how to live by God's word. But Marcion was kind of a wild child, kind of one of those rebellious pastor's kids that oftentimes you hear about. And uh, when he got to his young adult years, uh, he just lived a wild and crazy life. And so his father and their church had to excommunicate uh, their son or his son from the church. And so Marcion, he took his money uh, from his father's church and, 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 and he said, I'm going to go to Rome and I'm going to try, try to get involved with the church of Rome. So he gets to the church of Rome and he meets uh, this friend named Serto. And Serto was a heretic. He, he taught the Gnostic theology. And, and Marcion really fell in love with Serto and, and fell in love with this theology. And so he ended up uh, embracing this false doctrine or false theology. And he took it into the, the church of Rome. And he began to teach uh, this false theology. Well, once the, the priests and then, uh, and then the bishops, once they heard what was being taught by Marcion... They disciplined him and they excommunicated Marcion from the Roman church. And so Marcion said, well, I'll just take my money and and go elsewhere like he did before. So uh, he and Serto and a couple others, they ended up starting a church that ended up getting a lot of people to because of the money and the influence that he had as he spoke. He spoke with great authority. But the problem with Marcion was a number of things. Uh, One is he didn't really live a, a holy life. But two, the doctrines he, were, he was teaching was extremely false. Uh, for example, he removed most of the Old Testament from his Bible because he taught that the God of the Old Testament was different than the God of the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament focused more on wrath, on judgment. He was harsh. He was mean. He even called God inconsistent. And so he said, I'm going to just do away with most of the Old Testament. I'm going to focus more on the New Testament because after all, God is a God of love and and we see that God is a God of of grace and mercy. Uh, So Marcion taught this false theology just using portions of the New Testament, but not all. 
He also taught that once you become a Christian or once you become a follower of Christ, he taught that even if you're married, you have to remain uh, pure. In that, uh, you cannot be intimate with your spouse. And for whatever reason, his church grew. Now, if, if Marcion was here today and he tried to start a church with that view, I don't think he would grow the church, <laughs> just saying. But that was his view. That was his view. And unfortunately, uh, his view took off, and many people believed Marcion. Um, and, and so it was awful. It led a lot of people astray. I bring this up because Marcion is one of many people who have read the scriptures and who've said, I like this about the Bible, but I don't like this. And so I'm going to just disregard that part I don't like about the scriptures, and I'm just going to follow the part that I like. Thomas Jefferson, he did the same thing. When you learn about Thomas Jefferson and his life, he created the Jefferson Bible because there were certain parts of the Bible he didn't like and he wasn't comfortable with. And so he really liked the miracles of Jesus and some of the teachings of Jesus. So he said, I'm going to just create my own Bible, the Jefferson Bible. We have people today in churches who are doing the same thing. They're saying, well, I don't like that the Bible talks a lot about the wrath of God or that the Bible talks about sin. So I'm just not going to preach or teach on those sections of the Bible. We have some denominations that are saying, well, I, I just want to preach and teach that Jesus is full of love and he's my homeboy, he's my best friend, and so we're going to just teach and preach this idea that Jesus is love and he's our buddy. And then there's even denominations that say, we completely disregard the Old Testament because it's not valid today. In fact, we're a New Testament church and we're just going to teach from the New Testament. We won't have instruments and we'll just sing a cappella. There are churches out there today that completely disregard the Old Testament or take bits and pieces from the Bible and make their own denomination or religion from it. What does Jesus say about that? He says, don't do that. Instead, he says, we need to hold the scriptures in high regard, in high esteem. We need to hold the Old Testament with authority and in high regard. And that's what he says here in verse 17. In verse 17, he starts by saying, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. First, Jesus is saying, I did not come here to just completely wipe away and take bits and pieces from the Old Testament. The law and the prophets summarize that of the Old Testament. That's what described the Old Testament Hebrew Bible was the law and the prophets. The law was the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the Torah. And then you had the prophets following that. Jesus was saying here, I have not come to just completely disregard the Old Testament. But instead, I've come to fulfill it. I've come to bring it to its fullness, to life and that was his point he was making. He was talking in the Sermon on the Mount to disciples, but also to Pharisees and scribes. And the Pharisees and scribes, so far as they heard Jesus talking, they heard him talk about the Beatitudes. They heard him talk about salt and light. And they're probably thinking at this point, as they're listening to Jesus give this profound sermon, they're thinking to themselves, when is Jesus going to talk about the law? Because after all, you have to have the law to obey God. You have to have the law even to get to heaven. And Jesus has already made the point, no, to get to heaven is by grace alone. 
And then he goes on to talk about the law. But the Pharisees, they were worried about Jesus being loose with the scriptures. They were worried that he was going to take bits and pieces from the Old Testament and make up his own religion. And so right here, Jesus stops in the sermon and he looks probably at the Pharisees. And he says, do not think I've come to destroy the law and the prophets, the Old Testament. I haven't come to destroy it. Now, that word destroy is really important for us to understand. It's the Greek word kataluo, which is mentioned three other times throughout the gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 24, 2, Jesus said, you see all these things, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left one here or one stone upon another that will not be thrown down, kataluo. Matthew 26, 61, Jesus said, this man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. Somebody was quoting Jesus, talking about destroying the temple, Cataluo. And then Matthew 27, 40, they said to Jesus, you would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Destroy, destroy, throw down. You see those words mentioned throughout the gospel of Matthew. Why do I bring that up? Because when Jesus said, I have, I have come not to abolish the law, he's saying, I am not here to destroy, dismantle, throw down the Old Testament. But instead, I'm here to fulfill it. Now, some of you who have read through the New Testament, you probably scratched your head at this point and saying, okay, what did Jesus really mean by that? Because when you read the Old Testament, it is kind of different than the New in that, we no longer have to slaughter bulls, you know, on Sunday morning or lambs. I'm, I'm thankful we don't have to do that here at Christ's Covenant because Peter would have a fit. But, but, you know, Christians today who've read through the New Testament, we say, wait a second. We, we don't really have to follow those laws or those ceremonies anymore. So what is Jesus getting at here? Because after all, in Mark 7, 19, Jesus declared that all foods now were clean you get to Acts chapters 10, 11, and 15, and Jesus declared through Paul that you no longer have to be a Jew to be a Christian. Uh, you get to read Hebrews chapters 7 through 9, and the whole priestly sacrificial system has become obsolete in that we don't do those things anymore. So how can this be? Uh, what did Jesus mean where he didn't come to destroy the law? And he answers our question by this verse when he went on to use the word fulfill. He said, I, I haven't come to wipe away and dismiss the Old Testament, but rather I've come to fulfill the Old Testament. I've come to complete it. I've come to fulfill it. Now the word fulfill in Greek, pleora, it occurs 15 other times in the Gospel of Matthew. And each time it's used is really in a different way. The word pleora, which is fulfill, it is a multifaceted definition. I bring that up because Jesus fulfills the Old Testament in many different ways. Uh, think about how he fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. Think about how he fulfilled all the sacrificial system. And it pointed to his once and for all death and atonement. Think about he fulfilled the function of the law when he obeyed the law at every single point. And think about how Jesus fulfilled the teaching of the prophets by embodying all the future predictions that they made. He fulfilled the law by not destroying the law. But unfortunately, a lot of Pharisees, a lot of people, they, they thought Jesus just came to create his own religion and destroy the law. But Jesus wanted to stop right then and there and said, enough. Enough. 
I have not come to downplay the Old Testament. I've come to fulfill it. I've, tur- I've come to make a shadow and bring it to light. Now, some of you, you may have remembered the days of black and white TV. I don't remember those days. Just being honest. I've seen pictures. I've heard about it from mom and dad, my grandparents. I don't remember those days. But some of you remember those days. I had one person after the first service, she, she said, I remember when there was no TV. I said, wow, I can't imagine, right? But remember the black and white? You had like three channels and a lot of it was fuzzy and hard to see. It was kind of a shadow. Jesus is saying here, <laughs> no longer the days of the black and white. No longer the days of the shadow. I am bringing full color to the scene. I'm bringing full color to the picture. I have fulfilled the law and the prophets by bringing life to it. That's what he meant by fulfill in that he's accomplished it. He has completed it. That's what he meant by it. He brought color to it. Verse 19, Jesus took this idea up a notch by regarding the Old Testament. And he said, for, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, which is the right pronunciation, not iota, iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Notice here first, Jesus said, truly I say to you. Jesus used that phrase often in the Gospels. What does it mean? You know what it means? It means amen. And Brother Martin Martin is here. When he leads us in worship, he says, amen, brother. Can I get an amen? What does amen mean? It means this is true. What I'm saying to you, what what I'm reading from the word is true. Truly, truly, I say to you. So Jesus is saying right here, can I get an amen? He's saying this truth that I'm about to say to you is absolutely certain. That's what he's saying. And then he says here that until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota or a dot will pass from the law. What is he saying here? He's building on verse 17 and he's saying the Old Testament is the authoritative word of God. Well, one, Jesus wrote it. <laughs> but he's saying not even the, the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet will be taken from it. And iota is the word where we get yod from. It's the smallest Hebrew letter in the alphabet. And it's written over 60,000 times in the Old Testament. Right here, Jesus is saying, not even the smallest little mark or little letter will be removed from the Old Testament law. When I think of the word Yod, I think of the word Yoda. And we think about baby Yoda and how small baby Yoda is. Our kids love little baby Yoda because he's so cute. Jesus is saying, not even the little Yod, not even the little letter will be removed from the law and the prophets. He then went on to say, not even the mark, the dot will pass away. The dot refers to the smallest pen stroke that would distinguish different Hebrew letters. In other words, in our English letters, we have an H and an N, and there's just this little difference that makes the H from the N, right? The little marking. What Jesus is saying here is not even that little stroke, that little tittle, will be removed from the Old Testament. I hold it to that much authority. And that was the point Jesus was trying to make. And he said, until all has been accomplished, meaning 
until I come back and make all things new. In other words, the Old Testament is here to stay and nothing will be removed from it forever. Jesus, after talking about how he held the Old Testament up to its greatest authority, he then went on to tell us as believers how we are to value and honor the word of God, particularly that of the law. And he, and he shifts gears from talking about the whole Old Testament mainly to that of the law, to the commandments. When you get to verse 19, Jesus went on to say, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus went on to say, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments. Why does he say that right here? He says it right here because the Pharisees were beginning to sweat a little bit. Uh, they were worrying that, that Jesus not only didn't care about the law, but they were worrying that he was going to break the law. After all, the Pharisees were known to being rule followers and law keepers. They were known to obeying the law to the nth degree. And they were worried that Jesus was going to come and, and rally up all these people and be rule breakers, not rule followers. So Jesus wanted to correct that misunderstanding by saying, whoever doesn't follow these laws will ultimately not be in the kingdom of God. They won't be representing me because they're disobeying and disregarding the law. You know what this, this term is? It's today, that term is known as antinomianism. Anti means against. Nomianism means law, against the law. The Pharisees who were listening to Jesus, they were worried that Jesus was going to promote this Free living, we don't need to obey the law, we can do whatever we want, we're against the law, we can be rebels. After all, we're saved by grace, Jesus is going to love us no matter what we do or don't do, because we're saved, we're under grace, not the law. So the Pharisees were worried that Jesus was going to promote this kind of cheap grace. And I hate to say it, but unfortunately this is happening a lot in Christian circles today in America particularly. When I went to seminary, um, I learned a lot more about grace and I'm so thankful for it. Because after all, it's only by grace that we are saved. It's, by, it's a gift that we don't deserve, right? A gift of salvation. And so yes, it is true that no matter what we do or don't do, in Christ, he loves us unconditionally. And so that is so freeing to know that truth. At the same time, we can cheapen grace by essentially saying, well, Jesus loves me no matter what I do or don't do, so I can go and do whatever I want to do. And I, I had a professor that I, I respect, but there were times I, I just struggled with some of his teachings. He, 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 even, he even said that we have three free sins. And it was kind of a joke that he made because he's really emphasizing grace, but all I heard from him was grace, 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 grace. And it was wonderful to hear it, but I also wanted to hear from him, law, 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 because you have to have both. When you just hear grace, 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 grace all the time, what does that do to you? But it makes you think, I can get away with stuff. And I literally had my close friends, we would go out to Orlando Ale House, which is the Carolina Ale House of Knoxville, and we would go there and have a, have a burger, and, and I would have a friend that would abuse alcohol. And I'd say, what in the world are you doing? You're trained to be a pastor. Why in the world are you drinking like this? Stop it. But he said, it's grace, baby. I can do whatever I want. 
I'm like, no, you can't. There's laws. Come on, man. But that, that happened, and it's happening a lot in our, in our reform circles. I see it in campus ministry. I see people abusing alcohol. I see people draw, you know, throwing out cuss words. You know, I, I see people just kind of getting away with stuff, saying, all in the name of grace. Grace. What does Jesus say about this mindset of antinomianism? He's saying, no, you can't relax one of these commandments. Don't cut corners to holiness. Don't cut corners. Because yes, we are under grace and we are called to a higher standard. Don't cut corners. In Luke 17, Jesus went on to say to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they've come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. What's he saying here? (laughs) We're all going to be tempted to sin every single day. And a lot of times we give into those temptations. Let's be honest. At the same time, Jesus is saying, don't give into temptation. And don't cause a brother or sister, especially a young believer, to sin. No, by no means. So Jesus was saying here, it's important for us as Christians to remain faithful in the little things as well as the big things. It's important to remain faithful because he can't trust us in the big things if we're not faithful in the little things. Jesus went on to challenge us as believers not only to not have this antinomian mindset, but he also went on to describe how we are not to have a legalistic mindset. In verse 20, he went on to say, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, the Pharisees were listening to Jesus give the sermon, and the Pharisees were known to obey the laws. They they found 613 laws of the Old Testament, and they were known to, to try to follow every single one of those laws. They not only knew those laws, but they tried to follow it to the best of their ability. But the other thing about the Pharisees was is they added to those 613 laws. And I'll give you an example. The Sabbath day. They said, okay, God told us in the Old Testament to honor the Sabbath day, to keep it holy, to to rest, and to be free from work. And so they said, okay, we need to really unpack that word work. What does a work mean? What does a burden mean? And this is what they came up with. They decided that a burden of food is equal to the weight of just a fig, They thought that you can just have enough milk that's enough for just one swallow. They said that you can have just enough water to moisten the eye salve that you may have. You can even have enough ink to write two letters of the alphabet. But that's it. Because any more ink would be considered a burden or it'd be effort that you're putting in. They would also say that uh, some, some strict Pharisees would say that if you wore an artificial leg or even if you used a crutch on the Sabbath, you would be working. And they even argue that a parent could not hold a child on the Sabbath day. I kid you not. This is what was being discussed in Jesus' day. So Jesus is living in this era and he's saying, hold on a second. You Pharisees have taken this up a, a notch and this is unbelievable. Nobody can meet these standards. Are you crazy? And so he is calling out their misinterpretations of the law of God. 
And you know what he's doing? He's setting up the next few verses that will follow. So for the next six weeks, we're gonna look at when Jesus corrected the misinterpretations of the Pharisees. And he said to his people as he's preaching, he said, you've heard it so, but I'll tell you. What Jesus is saying here is you've heard it so, meaning the Pharisees have misinterpreted the scriptures. And this is what they're teaching. It's oral tradition that's been passed down. It's not written tradition, but it's oral tradition that they've come up with that is above and beyond the law that I gave. So Jesus is correcting the legalistic mindset of all these added on laws that were created. So legalism is a word that we throw around a lot in the church. What is legalism? Well, there's four things that determine who a legalist is. A legalist is someone first who teaches that we can earn our salvation by our works. Pharisees would say, you have to believe the Lord and be circumcised. You have to believe the Lord and follow these commands. You have to believe the Lord and, and, and you've got to obey all these, all these laws. You have to observe these traditions and these holidays. Jesus and something is what a legalist would say to earn salvation. A legalist, number two, is one who attempts to add their own human man-made rules and traditions to the authoritative word of God. And that's what they were doing. They were adding to the laws that God gave. A legalist is one who has a grudging obedience, meaning if I follow the law, then God will do things for me. If I keep God's laws, then he'll love me. If I keep these laws, he'll approve of me. If I keep these laws, then he will bless me. That's what a legalist would think. And fourth and finally, a legalist is one who confuses the weightier matters with the lesser matters of the law and gives greater attention to the lesser matters of the law while ignoring the weightier matters of it. What Jesus was meaning here is in Matthew 23, 23, when he called out the Pharisees later, he said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you tithe, mint, and dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. What Jesus was saying here is, okay, Pharisees, you've kept the letter of the law. You know, you've tithed, and tithing is a good thing. Keep tithing. And after all, Jesus affirms the tithe right here in the New Testament. So he's saying tithing's good, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law. You've neglected thinking about the spirit of the law. In that, even on Sunday, it's okay to help somebody who has fallen. It's okay to show mercy. It's okay to love and serve others on the Sabbath. That's the weightier matter of the law. But the Pharisees, they were legalistic in mind, and they were all about obeying the rules without really being changed from within. It was external behavior that was their concern. They wanted to please people, but they weren't there to please God. And Jesus called them out, and he said, you are being a legalist, and you, believer, are called to be more righteous than these legalists. Yes, they are rule followers, but the only way you'll be able to be a rule follower is if you have my spirit in you and my righteousness placed on you. And as my righteousness is placed on you, then you'll be able to follow the law. You'll be able to understand the law, and you'll be able to follow it by my grace. And so because you are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to perform and do more righteous things than a Pharisee will. That's what Jesus was getting at. 
But unfortunately, my friends, a lot of people, even in our circles, they would call us legalists if we just tried to promote the law. Again, what you're gonna hear at Christ's covenant is you're gonna hear both from me and from the other pastors and, and elders. You're going to hear grace and law, grace and truth. We have to have both because if we don't have grace, then we just focus on law, we become legalist. If we don't have law and we just focus on grace, we'll become those who are antinomian and we'll be, ah, cheap grace, do whatever we want. But Jesus is saying, no, you have to both follow the letter of the law to the nth degree and at the same time follow the spirit of the law by relying on my grace and, and realizing the heart of the issue, not just the behavior. So we aren't legalist, my friends, if we pursue good things, if we try to follow the laws. The only way we can follow the laws is by relying on God's grace. And at the same time, we're responsible to do good things. Psalm 119.97 tells us, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And Jesus told us in John 14.15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, then you will obey. It is freeing when you stay within the guardrails that God has given us. Why do we as parents have laws for our kids? For their own good and so that we can get some sleep. Right? If we didn't have laws for our kids, we wouldn't be sleeping. They'd be eating sugar all the time. They'd be eating pizza. They'd be drinking soda. And they'd be up all night long. Nobody wants that. I sure don't. We have laws for their good and for our good and ultimately for God's glory. So what is Jesus saying here? The word of God is important, Old and New Testament. <laughs> Nothing shall be removed from it. And the law of God is important for us to keep and to follow because it's for our good, for his glory, and for the good of others. The Heidelberg Catechism, question 86, it asked the question, since we have been delivered from our misery by grace through Christ without any merit of our own, why should we do good works? And I love this answer. Because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, is also restoring us his spirit into his image, so that with our whole lives we may show that we are thankful to God for his benefits, so that he may be praised in us, so that we may be assured of our faith by its fruits, and so that by our godly living, our neighbors may be won over to Christ. That is a great definition of why we are to pursue holy living and perform good works. It's ultimately for our good, it's for his glory, and it's so that others will see our good works and become Christians and glorify God who is in heaven. So again, my friends, please read the Old and New Testament because they're both authoritative. And please pursue a holy life to follow God's commands and love his commands that he's given us.